This morning, I'm going to continue in a series uh, that I've been calling Anti, Anti, but someone helped me to understand and remember that here in South Africa, it is not pronounced Anti. It's Anti. So my sincerest apologies, ability. I'm just free to say whatever I want to say um, is, is actually not a Christian idea. It's not. I'm not free to just confess. I'm not free to just declare whatever I want to confess and whatever I want to declare. That actually, as a mature follower of Jesus Christ, there are parameters around my speech, around my confession and declaration that, that I need to understand and that those, those parameters are, are for my good because there is power in the things that I confess. There's power in the things that I declare and that this power in what I confess and declare, we shouldn't, we shouldn't allow ourselves to be caught up in mysticism around this idea of our confessions and declarations, nor should we allow ourselves to be caught up in religious legalism. If you, if you haven't been here over the last several weeks, this particular series is on our YouTube channel, and it is on our, um, it is on our podcast, and you can go and you can um, look at those messages and, and follow up with uh, the things that we have been learning so far, and I'd strongly encourage you uh, to do that. Unless you have been living under a rock for the last six months, especially, but probably I would say longer than that, but especially the last six months, one of the biggest uh, kind of conversations or developments that are happening in the world right now is around uh, something called AI. How many of you have heard of AI or artificial intelligence? This came on my radar a few years ago, and I've just been fascinated by it and trying to learn as much as I can about it, um, just recognizing how it's going to shape the world and then especially in the last six months since the, or a little bit longer than that since the release of ChatGPT, how AI has, is literally reshaping the world. And of course, if you've been following this for very long, you understand that a lot of AI is already deployed into the world. You've been interacting with AI probably a lot longer than you realize. ChatGPT just sort of brought it all uh, to the service. And, and um, as I've been reading and learning about AI, um, one of the topics around AI that, that, that you come to in the conversation is as much as there's a tremendous amount of excitement of, about what AI can do and what it can accomplish and how it can help humanity solve maybe some of its biggest problems, there are also those in the conversation who are highly concerned about the ethics of AI and about the implications of AI on our lives. And if you really fully understand um, how AI works, then you understand that it is simply, it, it is simply giving back information that already exists, and as it grows and as it develops, um, that the people who are the researchers or who create or deploy these particular um, AIs, they are, if you will, they are the creator. And as the creator, they have established for this AI certain boundaries or, or parameters under which 
this AI operates. In other words, um, AI doesn't exist in a vacuum. It exists because there was uh, someone who created it and they've deployed it for a specific purpose or to accomplish a specific thing. And so as you get into this conversation around AI, one of the words that comes up often is alignment. And, and the reason that word comes up is because what researchers are having a hard time kind of keeping a handle on in the part a part that is sort of scary about AI is as AIs are deployed, it appears as though uh, these super intelligence grow and they develop and, and, and maybe they were initially started with a parameter to accomplish a certain purpose or do a certain thing, but it seems as though as they grow and they develop and they interact with uh, humans or input more and more and more that all of a sudden they start to become misaligned. And so a lot of AI research is really about keeping the AI aligned with what the purpose was of the creator or the researcher who deployed it. AI uh, systems are said to be aligned whenever they represent the human values of uh, justice, fairness, compassion, and all of, all of these ideas. So in other words, if an AI answers a question that it's answering that question in alignment with the human value of compassion, love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, if you think about it, it's a bit problematic because we don't all think about fairness the same way, do we? Think about it for a moment. How, how do you know we don't think about fairness the same way? Well, look at the way different nations or different cultures within nations operate, right? It's very obvious that within different nations, different cultures, there's different ideas about fairness. And so you could see it on a macro level in the world because different countries have different laws and they have different punishments for violations of that law because they see fairness differently. They have different values about fairness. Look around this room this morning. Take a moment, look around this room. One of the things that you'll notice in this room is there is a great deal of diversity in this room. Do you notice that there's people in this room who don't look like you? There's a lot I could say about being a part of a church that looks like heaven where there are a lot of people who don't look like you, but that's another sermon for another day. I often wonder why it is that we avoid that. But interestingly enough, as you look around the room and you see that there's a lot of people who don't look like you, even when you do see people who look like you, one of the things that I've noticed about you, and you've probably noticed about me, that in particular around this issue of fairness, is you can see it completely lived out in the way we parent our children. Come on, guys. Some of you are free-range parenters. You pull up in the parking lot, and your kids just poof. Like, I never know where I'm going to see them. Like, they're going to be ziplining from the roof. They got six donuts in their hand. I got eight-year-olds drinking coffee, people. I don't understand that. Like, I don't get that. I parent differently than you do. Some of you, you're, you the way you parent your children is very very controlled, there's tight parameters, 
your children not only don't drink coffee, I think it's a good idea, but secondly, they don't drink soda, they don't drink anything with sugar, they drink water because you've set a parameter, you parent in a certain way. Per, the way we parent says a lot about our values, how we see the world, and I've watched how some of you correct your children versus how others of you correct your children, and the way we view fairness, the way we view correction, it says a lot about us. Now, think about that. Just I'm, I'm, I'm making a big deal about that point this morning because think about if you created an AI, those of you who give your six-year-olds double-shot espressos, if you created an AI versus if I created an AI, we may create it with a different set of parameters and values, wouldn't we? Right? Because we, we have different values. We see the world differently. We have different boundaries in our lives. So what is problematic with AI and AI alignment issues is that these intelligences are being released into the world and there are a certain group of people and who are determining what alignment looks like for that AI, but another people in another place from another culture may have a different set of ideas and what makes it difficult or challenging across the world is which culture does the AI align itself with? Because I'm telling you, it's impossible for an eight-year-old who has double-shot espresso to align with, the house, with my culture's household. It ain't going to work. Because when he's bouncing off the walls, belts are going to be bouncing off of... I mean, I love you, but it's your deal, man. I'm just saying. Alignment, alignment is impossible when, you, when you're trying to represent all of these cultures at one time. And what AI researchers or people who are having this conversation are concerned about is, is different governments and different people and different groups are releasing these superintelligence in the world to operate across the web and all of these networks, what do they do? What do they represent? How do they represent? How, do, how does fairness, it creates all kinds of concerns because alignment looks different when different cultures or different kingdoms are being represented within those boundaries or those alignments. As Christians, in particular, those of us who are literal followers of the Jesus of the Bible, and that, that's what it truly means to follow Jesus, is to follow the Jesus of the Bible, not to be born into a home that calls itself Christian or a culture that calls itself Christian, but an individual who has surrendered the lordship of their life to the lordship, to the, to the, to the identity of the Jesus of the Bible. That's what it means to be a Christian, particularly those of us who are followers of this Jesus. We know that, that, that Jesus himself has established boundaries or parameters or has defined alignment around his kingdom. And Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, has basically said, listen, there are, there are you, can, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but there are really two kingdoms, two cultures at work 
in the world. There is his kingdom and his culture. There is the kingdom of darkness. There is the kingdom of Satan. There are those aligned with the kingdom of light, his kingdom, and those aligned with the kingdom of darkness. I, I understand that the world and time and history and sociologists and everyone wants to tell us that we have all of these options and that we, we can choose all of these different things, but according to Jesus, and it's fine if you reject Jesus, that's fine. If you reject the Bible, that's fine. That's your choice. That's your decision. But if you're here today and you say, I'm a Christian, what you're saying is that I'm submitted to Scripture. I'm submitted to Jesus. Then you have to embrace what Jesus has said, which is that there are really only two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of of darkness, and you and I are making choices and decisions every day. Am I aligning with the kingdom of light or am I aligning with the kingdom of darkness? And the way that that manifests itself in our life so often, which is so obvious, is in our confession and in our declaration. And that's what this series, Anti Anti, is all about. I think I, it feels to me like I'm talking about your mama's sister when I say auntie. <laughs> does my confession, does my declaration, does my thought life, does the pattern of thought in my life, does the things that I do, the things that I meditate on, does it align with the kingdom of light or does it align with the kingdom of darkness? Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 25. Um, this is Jesus talking. He says, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom, um, the pink kingdom may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among them, uh, among the wheat and went away. And then he goes on to describe how the wheat and the tear grow up together. Um, Jesus is sharing a series of parables in which he's describing uh, the kingdom. He's aligning those who follow him to the kingdom of God. And he's saying, if you're going to be in my kingdom, you got to understand this is what the kingdom is like. And he gives them this parable almost as a warning and to help them to under, gain understanding. He, said, he wants them to have understanding that there are two kingdoms at work in the world, that he's aware that there are two kingdoms at work in the world, that he's allowed these two kingdoms to exist simultaneously, and they are, they're growing up together. In fact, they're intertwined with one another, and that it is the responsibility of his, fo of his followers to distinguish between what is wheat and what is tare, between what is a weed and what is fruitful. He's saying to his followers, if you are mature, you should be capable of distinguishing between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. You can't be haphazard. You can't be careless. You have to consider, is this from God or is this from the enemy? These two kingdoms are at work in the earth. And ultimately, he says, ultimately, I'm going to bring the kingdom of darkness to an end. For a season, for the season that you are in, these two kingdoms are intertwined with one another. They grow close to one another. And as my followers, you have to be able to distinguish between light and darkness, between his kingdom and the kingdom of the enemy. You see, the alignment of my soul is demonstrated 
by the communication of my mouth. Really, I don't, I, don't even, I don't even like the way that I said that. I said that last week. I don't like the way that I said that because I, I think um, when we talk about confession and we talk about declaration, in a, in a very specific way, we're talking about those things that you say. But in a broader sense, and the psalmist talks about the meditation of my heart and the, and the confession of my mouth, I, I like the way the psalmist sort of describes that. There is this, this thing that happens inside of me, so by the time it comes out of my mouth, I've been meditating on it. And so when I, when I speak about communication, I'm talking about this idea of what I allow to to, to be seeded into my soul and to take root and to then grow out of me. Remember, we, we read it last week. Jesus said it's out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. A lot of us, uh, you know, a lot of us have a tendency where we say things and, and, and we realize after we've said it that we've messed up and then we try to go back and say, oh, I didn't really mean that. Um, Jesus challenged that idea and he's like, no, 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 you meant it exactly because it's been growing inside of you. Here's the thing, friend, in your life and in my life, I have to, I have to seek the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to bring soul alignment in my life. My confessions and my declarations, the things that come out of my mouth, they just represent, they just demonstrate what's going on inside of my soul. I completely understand, and I've wrestled with this a lot during uh, this series of messages, it's impossible for me to unravel every mystery around, around how communication and confession and declaration uh, is demonstrated in the life of a believer. I cannot untangle um, every bit of theological confusion that may exist on this issue in this series of messages that we've been in. There's a lot of wonderful teaching and books that you find out there on confession and declaration and the meditation of your soul. But as much as there's good stuff out there, what I tend to find over and over and over again is a lot of garbage. It's hard for me to find things to point uh, the people that I teach and lead to because oftentimes what I find is a lot of, uh, of teaching that claims to be Christian, but it's actually just repackaged mysticism or it's repackaged uh, religious legalism that creates fear and angst in people. Um, and, and so I understand in one series that I can't explain all of those things or debug or, or, or unwire all of those things. But I, and I was sharing this with, with, with Desra. I, in my heart, in my spirit, what I really have as an objective for this series is if, if I can just, if the Holy Spirit can just create an awareness within us as believers, that I am responsible for my meditations. I am responsible for my confessions and declarations, that I am responsible for my thought life. I'm responsible for the, those things that I allow to well up inside of me and to flow out of my mouth, that as a, as a believer that I don't have the liberty and freedom to just say whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. We talked about it and we unpacked it in a great deal last week that I'm, that I'm aware of what's feeding into my meditation, my confession, my declaration, whether or not it's the broken place in me, my insecurities and fears or needs to prove myself or if it's the voice of the enemy that wants to violate me or violate others or cause me to violate God, that, that, I, that the Holy Spirit creates awareness in me, a holy awe 
It says, Lord, even my mouth, even my meditation is surrendered to you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 3 says, Every spirit that does not confess Jesus, acknowledging that he has come in the flesh, but would deny any of the Son's true nature, is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, get this, and now, and is now already in the world. Perhaps you were confused. What is this message series really about, Pastor Andy? What this message series is all about is that it is all about you and I becoming aware enough by the Holy Spirit that we are not willfully aligning ourselves with the spirit of Antichrist. Ultimately, my aim, my objective, is that you and I would understand that the spirit of Antichrist is at work in the world and that as followers of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in us and if we will surrender to his spirit, he will cause our meditations, our confessions, our declarations to align with God and his word that brings life to the world rather than aligning with the enemy that is, seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. I've said this many, many times, and it's very clear from Scripture, and it's an easy way for you and I to make the judgment call. Do I allow this message, do I allow this mouthpiece, do I allow this voice to have place in my soul? The writer here, John, says it very, very clearly. It's really simple. It's, it's the Jesus test. Does this person, does this idea, does this concept surrender to the true, full identity and nature of Jesus Christ as the Son of God who physically came to earth and allowed his body to be laid down for your sin and my sin? Does it acknowledge the full identity of Jesus Christ? He said, if it does not, then it is the spirit of Antichrist. So in other words, I cannot allow the ideas and the ideals of those who are not fully submitted to and surrendered to the full nature of Jesus Christ to affect my soul or determine my ideas or my ideals. In a few weeks, we're gonna have a conversation about human sexuality my question for you is, your belief about human sexuality, is it based on Scripture? Go in in your daily 20 and read 1 John chapter 4 this week, please. Is it based on a false confession and declaration about love? Or is it based on the truth of Scripture? Is it based on false love or is it based on real love? It is antithetical for a follower of Jesus to allow their confession and declaration to be shaped by the spirit of Antichrist. Father, forgive me for every time I have allowed my mouth to run and echo the spirit of this age, the spirit of death, 
the spirit of condemnation, the spirit of hate, the spirit of false justice, the spirit of equity. Come on. The lie of the enemy that exalts man over God. We as followers of Jesus Christ have to allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in us. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to hold us accountable to those things that we meditate on which become seed and grow fruit that is our confession and declaration. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 and 21, this is what we've been talking about all month long. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. In other words, my mouth, what I confess, what I declare, what I meditate on that produces the fruit of speech in my life, it is aligning me to whichever kingdom I'm going to partake of. It is aligning me to the kingdom of life or the kingdom of death. The writer of Proverbs makes it very, very clear to us that you and I, as people who are like the fool, who are doing it our own way, or like the wise person who has submitted to Yahweh, who has submitted to God, we are choosing a path, we are choosing a kingdom, we are choosing an alignment. We are choosing a set of values, we are choosing a set of ideals, we are choosing whether or not we will walk in abundance, whether or not we will walk in blessing, or we will walk in curse. My confessions and declarations create access or they create barriers in my life. They create access to the kingdom of God or they create barriers in my life from the kingdom of God and access to the kingdom of darkness. The things that I confess, the things that I declare, the things that I consider, it determines the path, just like an AI scientist would align an AI and say, here are the parameters, here are the values, here are the ways you are to think about these things, and then reinforce that. The same is true in your life and in my life. I'm either aligned with the kingdom of God, and I reinforce that by continually feeding into my spirit truth and life and the word of God, or I'm continually aligning myself. See, the way that you, the way that you train an AI is that you give it a base set of information, and then it responds to that information, and then you come back and you tell it, no, that's not the way we want you to do that. That's not the right answer to that question. No, that's not the way to respond. Or you say, yes, that is. And over time, as that AI is reinforced with these values and reinforced with this worldview and reinforced that this is the correct thing, it just continues to grow in that direction. Or it departs and goes another direction. The same thing is true about your soul. Are you hearing me today? The same thing is true about my soul. What am I continually reinforcing my intelligence with? What am I continually, man, we stopped preaching holiness because we wanted to be cool. 
And we have churches full of people who don't know how to look like Jesus because we stopped telling them. We stopped reinforcing truth. We stopped reinforcing holiness because it was more important to us to be liked. It was more important to us to be cool and to be popular and to fill our buildings and our bank accounts. Instead of life, instead of changing culture, instead of making a difference in the world, we cower and we hide and we run away from difficult conversations because we don't want to offend anybody. Because I'd rather be liked, I'd rather be liked than to actually love you enough to challenge you. I'm sorry that's what we've done as the church. I repent. God, help us. And instead of aligning ourselves with the truth of Scripture, we just keep reinforcing the lie. We just couch our language as carefully as we possibly can. Oh, we're just broadening the circle. I'm sorry, friend. Help me to understand this. When Jesus said, narrow is the road, how did we get confused about that? These aren't Randy's words. These are Jesus' words. How did that become challenging and difficult for us? Jesus made it very, very clear. If you're, if you're going to follow me, you have to be aligned with my kingdom. That means what I'm meditating on, my thoughts, which sound like my confessions and declarations, have to also be aligned with this. I'm responsible for this. I don't just get to defend myself. I don't get to just say what I want, when I want, how. I don't get to think what I want. It isn't about my view of the world. It's about God's view of the world. Proverbs chapter 18, verses 6 and 7 says this. A fool's lips walk into a fight. And his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin. And his lips are a snare to his soul. Please, please don't be offended by the word fool here biblical writer's expression of talking about somebody who's immature, who's, who's not considering, who's not taking responsibility. He says, listen, this foolish person, they're careless. They're careless. And you can see that they're careless because what happens is the meditations which become confessions and declarations, the running of the mouth, what, what it leads to is ruin of their soul. Name me five people in your life who are not telling you 
that their life right now is being wrecked by anxiety. Name me five people in your life who are not telling you they're dealing with depression. Name me five people in your life, just five. Give me five people who are not continually battling for their mental health, their emotional health, their soul. I would suggest to you today that we are at a place of soul ruin in our world. And as the church, as the church, I would submit to you that we are complicit. We're complicit because instead of being bold and clear and direct that this is his kingdom and this is what it looks like and this is our confession and this is our declaration that we have in our immaturity, in our carelessness, our foolishness, we have instead aligned ourselves with the echoing voice of death and ruin that exists in the world. We have not provided an alternative. We have no other narrative. We've joined the course of ruin and depression and anxiety and fear and brokenness. And I believe God, by His Spirit, is calling us to a place as His people. We take responsibility. We take responsibility for our meditation that produces confession and declaration because we understand that in mature meditation, confession, and declaration, I can release life on the world or, or I can agree with death 